0: You're listening to a little too quiet it is the Ferndale library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale library. My name is Jeff Milo and joining me on the podcast today is a teacher from Ferndale high school, Stephanie Gazicki, the reading specialist over there at Ferndale high school, also in the English department and Stephanie Gazicki is the 2020 2021 teacher of the year. So we're very excited to have her on the podcast. We are a district library, which means we are in a partnership with Ferndale Public Schools. That means that we, as much as possible, try to do uh, outreach programming uh, where the, our librarians are able to go into the schools and interact with students. And that includes the Read Woke Book Club, which is run by one of our librarians, one of our youth librarians, Miss Jasmine, in collaboration uh, specifically with Stephanie Kazicki, who, who helps facilitate that. And she is, uh, well, we talk a lot about what what her role is at the high school as the reading specialist and how important of a role that really is the read woke book club is a a young adult literature inspired book club intended to help teens address social justice issues there have been so many amazing books by contemporary authors whether it's angie thomas or jason reynolds that are writing books for a, a teenaged audience that are bringing these conversations to the fore and this is a chance not only for teens in the high school to read amazing books but to then have really substantive conversations really engaging conversations about the subject matter that's addressed in these books and they do so with our librarian and with stephanie gazicki so we're just here to talk about uh among many things the read woke book club we also talk about the ferndale literacy project which is an awesome initiative we'll be linking to them in the in the show notes we talk about uh how two things that are kind of surreal just enduring the pandemic and what it was like to be a teacher during that time and a bit of the uh, surrealism of being awarded a teacher of the year and what that means but uh stephanie definitely gives a shout out to uh the entire staff at not just ferndale high school but in ferndale schools in general and as we'll hear on the pod we're just really really glad to have this partnership and really have these opportunities where we can do these great programs such as the Read Woke Book Club. So what is a reading specialist? We start there with our chat with Stephanie Kazicki.
1: No, this is actually my room. Oh, okay. My classroom, which I'm very lucky. of have, have a really cool room that they all decked out for me. so
0: Absolutely. Even <clears throat> from this vantage over Zoom, it looks like it's a cool room. Tell me about your room and what you do at Ferndale. You're the reading specialist.
1: Yes, I am. I'm the, the reading specialist here. It's actually a really cool program. I inherited it. I wasn't here at its inception, but basically a nonprofit organization, Ferndale Literacy Project, an amazing organization, is the actual, they fund the entire program from the furniture, the cool furniture I have, books um, we use a scholastic reading program they fund that. me, everybody they come in and do lunches and and all of that. so I'm very fortunate for that and there in this classroom when we're doing reading specialist stuff, we um, are helping out kids who are reading below grade level who need a little bit of extra support to get them up to grade level. we help them with their regular English classes and beyond as well. And then I also teach additionally, in it's called an AVID elective. So it's actually a college and career readiness elective that kids can take that helps them with college and career exploration, getting ready for college, taking rigorous coursework. That's things like that.
0: awesome. I was gonna, you know, pretty much start off by dating myself being born in the mid 80s and going to the high school, the tail end of the 90s. And I don't remember encountering a reading specialist. I don't, and I I haven't done my folks research pre-podcast here. I don't know how new this position is or even just this, this idea for public schools, but I think it's wonderful. Can you tell me about how you got into it and, and any other little history you can maybe illuminate us yeah. on?
1: Yeah, you know, and it's funny because it kind of just fell into my lap. I'm originally a, in a general English teacher. So I taught ninth grade English, 10th grade English, grammar and composition, all those kind of traditional classes. I have even taught middle school, regular ELA um, mm-hmm. as well. And then when I went back to get my master's, I just said, you know, I really would like to take something, get get an endorsement that helps me with those kids that are coming into my class that you can tell don't quite have the skill set, which, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I felt like teacher education at the secondary level does, just does not, even as an English educator, did not really teach me what to do when a kid isn't reading where he or she should be because it's expected so,
0: that they will be along. That yes. they'll be that, that they'll that they'll already have achieved that level. They yeah they they should have gotten that in third grade. They should be fine now, right? Yeah, it's just that you can't expect that kind of a thing,
1: right? And I think we kind of said like, oh, well, if that's not it, then they must be special ed, or maybe they just need an extra study hall mm-hmm. or whatever. So then, as I was getting into getting my read, I got my reading specialist degree at Wayne state, mm-hmm. um, they were actually saying there was, I would say a good 50% of the teachers in the reading specialist program were secondary educators. And they said in the program, this is, it's so strange, but in the last few years, it's just been flooded with these secondary educators who want that, that extra support with those kids. And then along comes then this movement where they, um, that really started with this concept, uh, was part of a no child left behind kind of thing where we need universal screen screeners for kids to see where they're reading. Um, I think it's like all the way up through 10th grade, right. Which we still have in place today. But then what that was revealing is like, okay, what do we do now with these kids who are reading below grade level? And so a lot of districts started then trying to pull in um, at the secondary level reading specialists. And that's kind of how, how I landed where I'm at. And I never looked back. I loved it so much more than even general ed English. So I've, I've stuck with it.
0: That's great. Uh, And then help us any listeners who are trying to catch up. You hear these phrases: primary school, higher education. Oh, what's yeah. what's Second education or, or second ed-
1: Yeah, so secondary is uh, sixth grade through twelfth grade.
0: Gotcha. That's that going to be my guess. Secondary. Yeah.
1: There is gray area there in like the sixth, seventh, eighth, because like there's sixth graders that are still in elementary, right? So there's a little wiggle room in that middle part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if, if you're secondary certified, yes, you are sixth grade through 12th grade.
0: Going back to the basics, do you remember what it was that made you want to be a teacher in the very first place, setting aside where you wound up now?
1: Ever since I was a very small child, I always wanted to play school and just always just felt it deep down in my soul. Actually, the only other profession I ever Claimed I wanted to potentially be was a librarian.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds like you're very excited about uh, just generally sharing knowledge and getting everyone excited about information. Maybe history. Maybe English. Yes. Imagine you're a a avid reader. I can already guess Uh, that.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Still, um, but yes, that was it. And yep, English. English was the way because I always loved reading and writing and just. whole
0: world right a librarian can experience that to a smaller degree it is that experience of you know not to make it sound like a hallmark card but watching the light bulb turn on over their heads right um Mm -hmm. there's something Mm -hmm. to that right but it is so interesting to to be getting into this area where we need reading specialists now because it just seems like rather than as I was mentioning kind of earlier, just kind of making a blanket statement about students or saying, well, they should be far enough along by now, or if not, maybe we'll just give them more study hall. Actually kind of looking at what could be the most proper prescription to help this kid, whatever kid is out there. I just think that... The, the sensibility has evolved, I guess, or, or we're just more sensitive about it. Or, you know, a, you've been in the teaching world. What do you think?
1: You know, I think part of it really is this idea of really inequity in education, right? Yeah. I think that we, of course, you clearly see the inequity in like who is behind in their reading. And I think that we kind of for so long were saying, well, you know, uh, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And let's push kids along. We've had these different waves in education of like, you know, what to do with, you know, the quote unquote lower readers. Mm -hmm. But I think that, yeah, it's really become this shift in mindset of saying like, it's not, Oh, some kids just can't do it. Some kids have a harder time. Right. That we really do look at like, okay, where are there gaps in their understanding and why are there gaps in their understanding? And, and obviously I'm sure everyone's heard about all the stuff they're doing at the primary level, right. With the third grade reading, which is all, that's a quite a big controversial thing as well. But, but then also saying every kid deserves to just get what they need. Yeah. And although I, by no means think that, that schools are, are totally even close to there yet, but I do like this concept that like schools should fit the students needs and not the other way around. Students shouldn't have to just come in and, and do whatever the, what we've always done in school Mm -hmm. type of thing Mm -hmm. that there, here's this need that the kids have. Let's, let's see what we can do to, to work together, to bridge their skill sets with, with the skill sets of the academic world.
0: Right. Um, Right. Because I feel like the result could be that if it is the other way around, if the, if the schools are not meeting the child's needs then, or, or tween or teen or whoever that, there's inevitably this sense of uh, uh, pressure and even uh, a blow to their their self-esteem, and mm-hmm. this is not the time in their life when they need any extra pressure. So yes, uh, I, it made me curious. Does you know, and maybe this is too abstract, but does the the any elements of you know uh, media literacy or information literacy kind of creep into to your terrain as reading specialists? Because I just think that you know, you're seeing kids getting smartphones as young as 10 and 11. So they are encountering text and, and words and everything, not just in a in a school book, as it, as it may have been in the early 90s when I'm, you know, <laughs> dating myself. But um, yeah. does that have any impact? Uh, I guess I'm asking you like a broad psychological question for you. But you know, they are encountering words kind of everywhere now. Media mm-hmm. is everywhere in their lives. Does that do you kind of encounter that in your in your terrain?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that that's really like a, a big eye opener for me. As um, and what what I really loved about um, diving deeper into becoming a reading specialist is just this idea we we all carry literacy skill sets with us, and I think we have this old outdated model in education that I think is is on the way out. But you know that well to read means to read a novel, to read a textbook, right? Or you know whatever. In these very like academic, otherworldly sense, right. So I think especially if you if, if a kid is coming into my room and you know I do what I can, but you know the, the, the sense is oh because I quote unquote can't read, right. Like it's really important to dispel that, right. And yeah. say no, everyone can read. And what does it mean to read a a, a text, right? Like what does that truly mean? And so I think what the the answer is, is not to say, oh, look, here's Jane Austen and here's Shakespeare and, you know, these great, you know, works of art. And if you could just read these, then you would be literate, right? This concept that you are literate, here are, let's explore the ways that you have your literacy skill sets. Now let's look at what, you know, the business world, the college world, your academic courses are expecting out of literacy. Where are there you know, similarities there? What are you already doing well in your literacy skill set that you can do well in others? And then where might we see some gaps that we can help really explicitly fill in so that now you can hang in any kind of literacy situation, Yes, which is tricky, but can be pretty, you know, that confidence booster Mm -hmm. to make kids then want to grow.
0: Yeah. And it, and it also comes down, doesn't it, to comprehension, and then retention, and I'm getting into to the reader's brain here, but in in the library world, we often, and, and this might be too far afield from where, where we're talking about with, with what you do, but in in library world, we talk about how listening to an audiobook is reading if your brain is mm-hmm. taking in those words, retaining them, comprehending them, uh, getting the story, uh, resonating with the characters, or if it's nonfiction, are you, are you learning something when when you're done listening? And that is what, really what they're going to need in when it comes to college later is that college always wants you to prove, well, what did you learn from this text? Then they're going to have to use their their lexicon to express themselves. It's so vital what you do, Stephanie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? well, but, you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I do. It retention, is- comprehension, that's so important, right?
1: Yes. And really, and that's exactly it. So even if kids are coming in where they do need maybe some like help with decoding and reading words and, and, you know, actual like vocabulary, but then also using those other forms of literacy and media to then practice and sharpen those critical thinking skills so that, you know, when they are encountering texts in that broad sense of the word, right. Anytime you're making meaning that they can think critically and think for themselves and create new ideas from it. Sure. um, And not letting, any sort of potential gaps in being able to understand the words on the page to prevent their brains from expanding in in that other sense as well.
0: Brains expanding. Uh, here mm-hmm. in the library, when it comes to literacy, we we focus a lot on early literacy. Our youth librarians are dealing with three- to five-year-olds who are maybe being read to, or five- to seven-year-olds mm-hmm. who are picking up chapter books, and they always stress that being able to read is going to and these are two of my favorite things that I've that I've learned is that it 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 strengthens your capacity for empathy uh and it Mm -hmm. strengthens and maybe Mm -hmm. this is connected I love this phrase it strengthens your emotional intelligence uh when you're very very young Mm -hmm. but maybe that's throughout all of life right that doesn't necessarily mean that we're only wanting our three-year-olds and seven-year-olds to have emotional intelligence you are trying to drive that home too to your students too right
1: yeah, I definitely think so. I think that reading in so many ways, and I even would then argue that this expands to like any sort of encountering narratives,
0: encountering
1: yeah. when, when you can really practice those skills of like, you know, learning something from it, right. Being able to experience something. Cause we, you know, even if you're watching a movie or a TV show, like there, those are still skills. You can watch a TV show very detached and, and thinking of it very surface level. So if you're able to practice, like, how can I empathize with this person? How can I like see how their life is different from mine? But then also what are the similarities as well? Then what, what a world that is for you, right? Like you don't have to travel everywhere and meet everyone to be able to experience, you know, so many different worlds.
0: Exactly. And to
1: deprive kids of that is, you know, to, to not help them have that skill, just, you know it's so sad to, you know, like it it can be such a more fulfilling and enriching time at, at any age, as at my age as well, I'll read a book and really truly learn a new perspective in the world.
0: That's great. Uh, I feel like I could talk to you about uh, being a reading specialist for an hour, but I do want to shift gears rather abruptly to something completely mm-hmm. different. And that is that you, uh, you partner with one of our librarians, Jasmine and, mm-hmm. and She's been facilitating this program called Read Woke, which is a book club, and it is specifically focusing on well stories that can really illuminate issues around social justice. Can you talk a little bit about that? I guess first of all, how that partnership came together, and uh, and what you just how you feel about that book club. We're really excited about it in general, but tell us about Read Woke. <laughs>
1: Yes, it is just one of my favorite things I get to do as an educator, actually. And Jasmine is so fabulous. Um, And I'm even trying to think of when we very first met. But high school teacher, especially an English teacher, um, we do have a partnership with Ferndale Library. We're a district library. So Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. to you know come and help out with all of that. And anytime I'm trying to get a book for a student that they they really want a book about that, so. We have had a a strong partnership like that for a while. We even did uh, an after-school club and and some other things as well. Um, But then I know yep, uh, Jasmine and I have been doing the Read Woke program here since I think about maybe 2018, I would say. And so it is a book club for students um, specifically with uh, novels and texts around social justice. Um, so we've read novels dealing with police brutality, homelessness, and, um, and, you know, v- veterans rights. Oh, yeah. Um, we've done additionally, uh, like collections of short, stor- short stories and poems and like all different kinds of texts, always with that lens of, you know, lifting up marginalized groups. Sure. Within it.
0: I think it's also worth noting that, and again, I'll just keep putting myself up as an example of how schools have have evolved really, you know, and I was reading Mm -hmm. just still the classics that that's all I was able to be exposed to in a a high school English class. And these books that you focus on in this book club, I think it's worth noting that they are 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time contemporary Mm -hmm. novels, uh, contemporary voices. And that's also a reflection on you know, being able to talk about this in a book is something we've only seen come up in the last decade. So that would not have been there when I was in in high school. But I think it's so amazing in a way to to have kids being exposed to um, <laughs> authors who are writing books right now, today, as opposed mm-hmm. to 1930 or 1890. Um, <laughs> I can't actually articulate what I find so exciting about that, but you get get what I mean, though. That oh, that absolutely. tangibility to the present, I guess.
1: Yes. And I think that 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 is what's exciting about it. Um, And especially that the kids that we have gotten involved in it, you know, this isn't just the AP literature student who can craft an amazing thesis statement. These are a lot of kids who are really excited by the concept that here's a book with maybe a a kid who looks like me on the
0: cover presentation. Yeah
1: you know, by an author who might look like me and is telling a story that is so relatable to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something really special about that, especially not just like the 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 fact that these books exist, right. but the fact that they're being lifted up in a in a book club that like, hey, here's a book that's important that we want to read together and talk about. Um, and I know one of the, I mean, just every time we get together, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go home to my husband and just gush, like about how exciting it was to, to hear these just brilliant insights from these kids. Um, but I remember in particular one time when a, a kid just said, who very much would not consider himself a reader and kind of got pulled in by a friend, but, you know, decided, he just said, I've never read a book where the kid's talk like me. I've never seen that. And it's just like, yes, but the way you talk is wonderful and right. valid and worthy of storytelling. But if you are only exposed to those classics, then, you know, it's kind of, it's sending that clear message that like, okay, well, you know, your story is not necessarily one that needs to be told. If all of these, if all the other examples around me are stories of of one very specific kind, then hmm, I guess not, not me.
0: Exactly. So that's,
1: That's what I love
0: about. That can be exhilarating when you encounter something like that on a page and a character is talking like you. That that can be exhilarating. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, in the last 10 years, we're able to have these books that are addressing social justice issues. Really, in the last 15 years, especially, the whole YA book industry has exploded, you know, Mm -hmm. harping again on my own life's example that seemed like if you wanted a YA book that tapped into teen angst it was like well uh catcher in the rye outsiders or the chocolate (laughs) war um and that's all you had to go on and i feel like now every year there's 12 or more catcher in the rye quality forget catcher in the rye sorry jd salinger (laughs) but just like surpassing that we're just having just modern masterpieces uh, uh crafted all the all the time you know john green's just the beginning
1: Yes, I do, and and I do think the quality of literature that's out there is is really heartwarming because it is so easy now, comparatively, to find books that really speak to kids who are tra- not traditionally, you know, excited about reading, but then they can be because of the subject matter, and also, um, you know, and I think. Ferndale schools is very, very willing and devoted to, you know, issues of equity and representation that, you know, we are able to open up even just within the general English curriculum and, and throughout the school to really have texts like these available in kids hands, reading, analyzing, talking about it. Like it's, you know, the Shakespeare or the, you know, Mm -hmm. the Faulkner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that they could be reading in that class. And, and I think that's, you know, such an incredible and important thing for kids to get to experience, you know, while they're, while they're in school.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I said, John Green, I should give a shout out to, uh, not that he's listening to the podcast, but shout out to (laughs) Jason Reynolds out there. Uh, amazing author as well for the YA genre served as he's uh, my
1: favorite. (laughs) Yeah. I should yeah. note,
0: um, you know, uh, served as national ambassador for young people's literature. So that's what's so exciting. We are very much in this uh, Jason Reynolds era, which is just mm-hmm. fantastic for YA literature. So, yeah, you know, what something else. While I have you on the pod, it's some, something I'm always curious to ask uh, teachers. It really has not been a, quote unquote, normal two years. Um, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and the experience has been different for everyone. But we had to, you know, we had what? a year plus of virtual we got back to in person just what has that been like for you um you know what has your takeaway been from from all that it has been quite quite a ride
1: yes it sure it sure has been so um yeah uh you know i will i'll be honest virtual was real tough for me for for everybody right and um and it really just totally flipped everything upside down and it felt like a lot of like what I do best as a teacher was just taken away and yeah. I was left with a lot of that. The uh, metaphor I use is that um like I've have, I have a cup, right? Where I can give from my cup and I can receive into my cup. And I wasn't getting a lot to fill up my cup during virtual time because you didn't get those those relationship building the way you would. Um, so it was really tough. Um, and especially with kids who would be in uh you know a reading support class, right? So Typically that also means that there's a lot of other things going on for them. So you saw a lot of kids caring for younger siblings or with, you know, technology issues and all of that. So you saw that gap just widening, widening, widening. And I think it's really refreshing and, and um and courageous how kids can come back here and they really are so self-reflective of how they were on virtual learning. They'll say, you know, oh, I was really not good at this. It was this part was really tough. I did all right with this. But they knew they that it was a struggle and it wasn't something that kids were developmentally ready for to yeah. be able to manage their own time and learning. Oh, you yeah. know?
0: I have to imagine it had to be a very reflective. We should like we could interview any student and I'm sure we would get an amazing story. Because it had to had to have been a very reflective time for them too. It was just them at their own laptop in their own room. They're not connected to their friends. They're looking into a Zoom. It just sounds, oh, I don't even want to revisit Stephanie. Oh, you know, it's just <laughs> But I'm glad. I I'm glad things are back in person. And just just, just to switch gears into an even, even more positive note, I think I should say uh, congratulations, teacher of the year. What's the story there?
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know what? I, I I don't even know. It was you know <laughs> just something that was so um, grateful. And you know, speaking of filling up my cup, it was after after that kind of year. I think every teacher out there put in more effort than they ever thought was even possible. Um, So it was super special to be able to be recognized in that capacity. Um, You know, although I truly do feel like it could have gone out to the entire staff because it was it was a rough time um, for everybody. But um, but yeah, it, it was something that will that that made me smile and cry at the time and definitely has um has warmed my heart and kept me going even even as we're back here and, and things are still not quite normal you know to feel like my 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 efforts were appreciated so but thank you very much
0: uh out of curiosity was it because you said you were kind of reading specialist but also english mm-hmm. did they delineate what it was for or just all-encompassing for what you do
1: all-encompassing yeah great. no they didn't they didn't specify so that's great.
0: Well, Stephanie, uh, thanks so much for being on this podcast. It's been wonderful to talk to you and pick your brain. And um, I hope I didn't reference my past as a 90s high schooler too much. Uh, probably did, but I really appreciate you. I'm right you. there
1: with you. I think we, we might be the exact same age. So I, I, I really connected with you on that one. And
0: so. I think one other note I wanted to say is that it is, its it's... You know but we're very excited to be a district library where we have this opportunity to have a partnership with with the schools and you know if anyone wants to know what that looks like it just looks exactly like what we're talking about it looks like the read Roke book club where our our librarian or our staff is able to enter that building connect with those kids meet them there get them connected to books and uh so we just love that opportunity for for outreach and we appreciate uh we appreciate you being a, uh, a collaborator in that in that regard, and we just wanted to say, as this podcast comes to an end, thanks for all that you do, Stephanie.
1: Well, thank you all out there too at the at the Ferndale Public Library. I'm always singing your praises. Thanks so much for all of your support.
0: And that was our chat with Stephanie Gazicki over at the Ferndale High School, the Reading Specialist, uh, this year's Teacher of the Year and collaborator with the ReadWoke Book Club. Uh, really appreciate that conversation and great to learn about everything that a reading specialist does and how important that role is in public schools. So that is our episode of A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you hear on the intro and outro of these episodes is, as always, by a local musician known as Zun Set. If you want to support this podcast, you could go to FerndaleFriends.org, or you could like or subscribe or leave a review, leave a comment out there, it could help us find new listeners. You could just tell a friend about it, or if you liked this episode, share it to social media. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.